We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Saturday night after the Wolves beat the Milwaukee Bucks by 19. Final score, Wolves 138, Bucks 119. It was another massive scoring performance for this Wolves team that has now scored over 110 points in 11 of the 13 games that they've played since the All-Star break, being as both of the times they scored under 110 were their two losses since the All-Star break. That means this Wolves team is 11-0 since the break when they score 110 or more points. Obviously, in this one tonight, a factor in being able to kind of score at will like they did was Giannis Antetokounmpo not playing in this game due to knee soreness. And, you know, this continues the pattern. But I think there are two ways to look at that element of this game. Like, yes, Giannis missing the game continues the trend of the Wolves rarely playing a team at full strength. But I also think it would be wrong to say that Milwaukee is a bad team without Giannis. They still had Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez was back. I think I was just going through it. If you would rank the Wolves 13 opponents since the All-Star break, I still think this Bucks team without Giannis was still the fourth hardest they've played. I think Philly on that back-to-back for Harden's first game with the Sixers was the toughest. They lost that one by 31. Next toughest, I think, was the Memphis game right out of the break. So they won at home by five. And then after that, like the next toughest opponent was either this Bucks team uh, without Giannis or Miami without Jimmy Butler last week. And I, I think I put Miami without Butler ahead of this Milwaukee team without Giannis, maybe just because that game was in Miami in terms of difficulty. But I do think that this Milwaukee team tonight was still a tougher opponent than the ta- the Cavs team that they beat who had all their ball handlers hurt in that game or the Golden State win from a few weeks back when they beat Golden State without Draymond. Um, which is to say, for me, I still think this is an impressive win in the context of who the Wolves' opponents have been lately. And if that is your case, if you think these Wolves' opponents have all been easy, I'd point you to the fact that the Wolves are blowing out all of these teams, which I would say at least makes up for some of that gap. It's, I think it's fair to point out that the Wolves' schedule has been weak, but it's unfair to point out the fact that the Wolves' schedule has been weak without pointing out the fact that they're blowing out these opponents. I mean, the last eight wins, the Wolves have won by a combined 184 points. I don't know what else you really want them to do there. 
Chris Finch was, he certainly has taken a, we can only play who we play sort of mentality through this whole stretch. And he had that again tonight, acknowledging no Giannis, but still being encouraged by the way his group played. Yeah, I mean, we can't control who they play or who's out or whatever, but I thought it was a really um, focused and you know, really a great performance by us for the most part. I mean, we um, played with good energy, got out and ran, uh, really moved the ball, I thought, well, early, which we've been struggling to do early in games. Generated a lot of really good looks. Um, <clears throat> defensively, you know, we gave, uh, gave him a lot of looks from the three-point line, which we tried to tamp down, but – all in all, we battled as much, you know, everywhere we could. I thought we did a good job on Middleton and Holiday, you know, Ant and TP and Vando and those guys. And all when they got those matchups, I thought they did a great job with them. I think that last point on Vando, Ant, and Prince's ability to guard Middleton and Holiday was a key one in this game. Naturally, when uh, Jane McDaniels got hurt, one of the primary concerns was about how this Wolves group would be able to defend big wings in his absence. That had been McDaniels' job. We saw tonight both Vanderbilt or in the Lakers game we saw Vanderbilt and Prince do a good job in the on LeBron against the Lakers and then tonight we saw those two plus Ant do a good job on Middleton and Holiday Middleton finished with just 15 points tonight Holiday had just 14 I think the Wolves perimeter defense just has layers obviously McDaniels is an important layer of that but they do have depth in Vanderbilt Prince and Edwards obviously Patrick Beverly as well, who got ejected in the first quarter of tonight's game. I think the only real complicating factor with that group when you're choosing to put one of them on a Chris Middleton is is Vando and his size. The Wolves often need that um, off the ball. I think it's Finch's preference with McDaniels out to put Vanderbilt on the main wing scoring threat of the opponent. But sometimes, you know, Vando needs to be guarding the big for size purposes. Uh, tonight, you saw Vanderbilt guard Bobby Portis when Portis was out there next to Brooke Lopez because they needed Vando's size on the interior against that lineup. But when Portis would sub out of the game and he'd be replaced by Matthews or Connaughton and they go a little bit smaller, well, then Vando would slide over to guarding Middleton, which put Ant off of Middleton and onto Holiday, which was, I, I think that was particularly helpful that they had that extra layer to go to once Beverly was ejected from this game. Again, you know, point being, this is a team that can kind of go down the pecking order a ways without running into a major defensive matchup. And amongst a lot of things, I mean, when was the last time you could say that about the Wolves, that they had depth there? I think the Wolves' defense is, again, becoming a strength for this team, you know, similar to what it was at the beginning of the season. I think that pattern we've talked about of being a good defense at the beginning of the year, hitting a lull, and then finishing strong, that that seems to be taking form here in that latter part of it. I mean, even with the midseason lull, the Wolves are still currently 10th on the season in the NBA in defensive rating, which again, like, take that in. That's a real thing. The Wolves are 72 games into the season and are the 10th best defense in the entire league. Like, I don't know. Who, who had that on their bingo card this year? This is a massive an unprecedented shift on that side of the ball. And it's a product, at least in part, of a completely new defensive scheme this season, a defensive scheme that really feels like it fits this Wolves roster almost perfectly. Here's Kat on why the scheme continues to be an ideal fit. Uh, Carl, we're, we're now 72 games into the season. You mm -hmm. guys have a, a top 10 defense in the league. 
obviously a lot goes into that happening over the course of the season, but how much of that do you attribute to a really drastic scheme change that you guys made defensively before the season started? Um, I just think Finch is doing a great job of utilizing everyone's strengths and what they're really good at and uh, the things that they're probably not the best at. We kind of do a great job of hiding them. That's what a great coach does. So um, he's just him and the coaching staff have done an amazing job giving us schemes that uh, fit us and our abilities and our strengths. And um, I think we're going out there and executing at a high level. I think it all starts, too, with uh, the mentality of the team, you know, understanding how important defense is for us. What about you specifically? Um, like I said, I think it's just about using utilizing people more to their strengths. You know, I've said it before. Um, I love getting those switches. You know, it's been something I've been good at and being up on pick and rolls and um, schemes like this give me a chance to utilize those strengths I have with moving my feet and being agile. So um, it just gives us a different look. I think that many other NBA teams don't have, you know, have a big who could switch onto guards and feel very comfortable doing it. The ability to throw Cat out there up to the level of the screen or out all the way switched onto a guard is the main reason this Wolves defense works. Cat being competent handling those duties is what unchains guys like Edwards and Vanderbilt and Prince to fly around and more aggressively attack passing lanes to generate turnovers. That's what the scheme not only allows you to do, but asks you to do. Toronto is the only team in the league this year who has more frequently turned over opponents this season than the Wolves have. That's a product of the scheme, which allows the Wolves to be a team that plays in transition a bunch. They're fifth in the league in volume of transition opportunities this season. And the getting out and running in transition leads to easier buckets, what fuels this team's offensive efficiency. They are fifth in the league in overall offense this season. But if you split for just the half-court possessions when they're not playing in transition, like the Wolves are just average there. They, They rank 13th in half-court offense. So playing in transition as often as they do is what bumps the offense from 13th in the half-court to 5th overall. This is what Cat and the guys are talking about when they say the defense fuels the offense. It does. And it's not like this scheme doesn't come with a cost. The opportunity cost of the scheme is pretty intuitive. You throw Cat out on the perimeter and your team probably isn't going to rebound well, which is true. That's happened. That's been happening all year. The Wolves still ranked dead last on the season in defensive rebounding. But even that area is improving a little bit. They're shifting away from being the worst defensive rebounding team in the league to more recently just being kind of like a just below average rebounding team. And considering the positives that this scheme allows, if you're able to be close to average at rebounding while reaping all those benefits, that matters. Since February 1st, the Wolves ranked 21st in the league in defensive rebounding. It's definitely a scheme that has holes, all schemes do, but it's also a scheme that, as Kat said there, allows you to cover up for holes in your defensive personnel. They've chosen to be a bad defensive rebounding team this year overall because the cost is worth it. It's worth the cost of papering over those other holes. I think this scheme shift has been one of the smartest coaching maneuvers I've ever seen a Wolves coach implement. There was a narrative that had a lot to back it up before the season that a team can't play defense if Cat and D'Lo are two of your best players. Well, I think that narrative has been squashed this season. And I think if there's a specific reason to look at Chris Finch as the coach of the year, it's what he's unlocked to allow that narrative to be squashed. All right, let's mix in a quick break here. 
come back to talk more about this win tonight over the Bucks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 19-point win at home on Saturday over the Milwaukee Bucks. And it was the second consecutive game the Wolves played not only the role of the victor, but also the role of kind of the irritant in this game. Obviously, the Lakers game got a lot of national media run for the way the Wolves kind of snapped back at Russell Westbrook. Tonight's game won't get the same notoriety because it wasn't the Lakers, it wasn't Westbrook, but the Wolves played with that same snippy style. I mean, that's becoming their identity. Bobby Portis got into it with Jared Vanderbilt early. Then he got into it with Nas Reed a few minutes later. Serge Ibaka got into it with Torian Prince. Patrick Beverly shoved Ibaka. George Hill shoved Beverly. Pat Bevan Hill got ejected. I mean, it was very clearly a Wolves team who heard the dialogue surrounding the Westbrook game and decided to double down on it. They like this role. They like being disliked or they just don't care if you don't like them. You know, it might be viewed as arrogance by some, but whatever you want to call it, this Wolves team doesn't care. Like led by Patrick Beverly, it seems pretty clear to me that this is the type of team the Wolves want to be a team that believes they can score on you and then irritate you enough on the other end to ultimately come out on top. It's becoming an identity. And I don't remember the Timberwolves ever having an identity, really. Again, Pat Bev. Pat Bev was given credit for this after the game again, this time by Nas Reed. Nas, the way that you guys are carrying yourselves right now with all these wins, just what is it feeling like night in and night out when you come to the arena, when you take the floor in terms of a confidence level and what you guys can do out there? I mean, it feels great. I mean, I feel like the way Pat, I would say, he, I'll give him the credit for this, but the way Pat brought the, the grit and the hunger to this team and the swag is just, I think, was remarkable. Uh, and then to top it off, the fans are crazy. Like, tonight was amazing. Uh, I've, I haven't seen a game like this in, in a while. It's home anyway, so it was, it was a great feeling. Do you think that kind of grit is more ingrained in you guys now so that when Pat is not there, not even on the sideline, that you can – just keep that rolling and even though he's not around to kind of keep fueling that fire? Yeah, like like I said before, I mean, I feel like the, the him being thrown out kind of just fueled us even more. So definitely feel like that's installed in us. I think Nas is a good example of that identity of the team kind of providing an individual boost to a player. I actually think that's kind of true for the whole Wolves bench group. They've kind of learned to ride the energy wave that the starters get going, right? But with Nas, you know, given sort of how short his stints are it's because he plays behind cad it's, it's really important for him to kind of catch that wave early you could 
you can tell when he doesn't because his impact becomes more obviously negative in those days. But tonight was a great example of Nas grabbing the wave and rolling with it right away. And because of that, we're going to make Nas read Forgotten Star of the Game tonight presented by Forgotten Star Brewery. Nas had seven points and an assist in his first two minutes on the floor tonight, uh, just getting peppered on the roll while running pick and roll. D'Angelo Russell and Jordan McLaughlin. He finished the night with 14 points in 12 and a half minutes of play. Here's Nas on that connection with D'Lo and J-Mac. I'm sure there are really fine distinctions, but what's the difference between pick and roll with J-Mac and pick and roll with D'Lo? Well, J- I mean, me and J-Mac, you know, we have that, that chemistry from G League our, our first year. Uh, I've been playing with J-Mac all three, all three of my years. So, I mean, the chemistry from, between me and J-Mac is like, remarkable so and then and with me and D'Lo the communication between us uh you know he's telling me roll roll or pop pop like we're literally talking as we're playing so I mean the communication being definitive in what I do you know helps him uh, in the pick and roll situation I was thinking more in terms of like timing where they hit you on the roll how they hit you oh yeah that's just knowing each other's game yeah. playing with each other uh doing extra drills in practice like pick and roll drills in practice like uh spacing where to space to things like that just having a feel but is it pretty much the same? I mean, yes. they, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, both can hit me in a roll. Both can hit me in a pop. They can both go to the basket. They, their playmaking is what what really makes uh, any situation. Nas is paying a lot of credit to D'Lo and J Mac there, understandably so. But part of the occasional Nas boomlet are just about Nas and the way he rolls. He is a very tight and fast roller, which almost always opens up the space in the pocket there when he's on the roll. That's why Nas gets so many of his touches on the roll. Only 19 players in the entire league this season have taken more shots as the roll man in a pick and roll action than Nas has this year. He's 20th in the league in pick and roll shots, which is saying something for a player who only plays what 16 minutes a game. And this has been a thing for Nas. He was 10th in the league last season in pick and roll volume as well. That's his skill. It's, it's Nas's little thing that distinguishes him from his contemporary starter, Carl Anthony Towns. All five of the bench guys have their thing. You know, McLaughlin plays faster than D'Lo. Noel attacks the rim more than Beverly. Beasley and Prince spot up from three more than Ant and Vanderbilt do. And Nas's thing is being more of a roller than Cat is. It doesn't make any of those guys better than the starters, but what it can do is make them effectively different than the starters. They provide a different look. In tonight's game, that look on the roll for Nas made a big difference. He was 5-5 from two-point range. And even if it's only 13 minutes, I don't think you can sleep on the value of Nas playing that way in the non-cap minutes. That's an area where teams with a center normally get beat up. Nas provided that value tonight, and that's why he is tonight's forgotten star of the game. And a reminder that we will be at Forgotten Star Brewery a week from Sunday for a Wolves watch party. Forgotten Star will be hosting that party on March 27th, and I will be there with Britt Robson to chat with uh, those of you who are able to join. Remember that game against Boston is in Boston, so it will be a 5 p.m. tip here local time. So feel free to get to Forgotten Star on Sunday late afternoon to lock up a spot. All right, let's wrap up tonight. With my prize picks for this game, I made five picks, went two and three on them. I guess I didn't believe in the Wolves enough tonight. One of the picks I got wrong was taking the under on 29 and a half combined points plus rebounds. 
plus assists for Anthony Edwards. Edwards finished with 25 points, five rebounds, and four assists. Probably his best game, I think, since returning from this injury. There does seem to be a little bit of a prioritization of the jumper for Edwards rather than the drive. But tonight, that worked out fine. Ant made five of his 10 three-point attempts in this one. Uh, D'Angelo Russell also finished with 16 points and nine assists. It was not a bad game from D'Lo, just more of a passing game than a scoring game. I misjudged that, taking the over on 18 and a half points from Russell. So we missed that one as well. I also thought a big scoring night was coming from Chris Middleton, took the over on 24 and a half points for him in this one. But like we said earlier, Vando and Prince and Edwards did a good job of containing Middleton. He finished with just 15 points. So those are my three wrong picks. My two correct picks, picks tonight were on Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen. I took the under on 17 and a half points for Portis. He finished with just four. And I took the over on Allen, combining the tally up 16 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. Allen did that, scored 13, grabbed five boards, and had two assists. Overall, two and three on the night there, which brings me to 150, 133, and 10 on the season. I have seen that a lot of you signed up for prize picks here this week, uh, probably for March Madness. And if your bracket is busted, still want to get in the mix of the NCAA tournament, prize picks has props set up for every player or for every game in the NCAA tournament. You can pick players over, under, points, rebounds, assists, all these sort of things we do for the Wolves. An easy way to get back in the action. And prize picks will throw you a $100 sign-up bonus if you create an account using the promo code DANE. When you create that account, just my first name for $100 when you sign up at prizepicks.com or on the Prize Picks app. All right, before we go, I do have some pretty significant standings updates to provide. Uh, since we last recorded uh, with Britt on Friday night, both Denver and Dallas lost, which meant coming into this one against Milwaukee that the Wolves were one game behind Denver and two and a half games behind Dallas. So the win over the Bucks means the Wolves are now only a half game behind Denver for the sixth seed. And then with Dallas, Dallas also lost again on Saturday to Charlotte. So the Wolves are only one and a half games behind the Mavs for the sixth seed. And next up for the Wolves are those Mavericks in Dallas on Monday. The Wolves win that game. There is a world where they could have sole ownership of the sixth seed and only be a half a game behind the Mavs for the five seed. Denver plays against Boston on Sunday. It's it's kind of coming together here. This is what putting pressure on the teams ahead of you by winning in the standing does for you. If you win for long enough, they will eventually start losing. That's what's happening. I don't I don't know what more you could ask for if you're the Wolves right now with 10 games left in the season. You are one game, one and a half games behind the Mavs and you play them two more times, and you are a half game behind the Nuggets, and you play them once. We're at the point where the Wolves control their destiny. Win those three games while having a better record in the other seven games than Dallas and Denver, and they're the five seed. So, I mean, 10-0 the rest of the way sounds crazy, but if they did that, the Wolves would guarantee the five seed. I mean, that's very lofty, but I think it it, it provides the example of how close they are or just the idea that the Wolves are at least in control of their destiny here going forward. We'll start off with Dallas on Monday. Until then, I'm Dane. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Peace.
Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.